today I want you to take your notes. We're going to look at uh, a topic just kind of continuing from last week, um, a little bit about uh, really persevering. Um, persevering in the kingdom, and, and this is about repairing a heart. Um, if you've lost somebody or you've had some devastating things happen this year, that is a real loss and real pain. And it takes time to get through that, but I just want to encourage you today uh, in your walk with God that He is faithful. Amen, church? God is faithful, and He's got you. Uh, he's got the whole situation. It, you may not fully understand it, but God's still in charge. Um, when I lost two of my best friends that I grew up with, and they were both uh, uh, under uh, 35 years of age, uh, devastating um, circumstances that we lost them in, and I thought, man, Lord, that's just so hurtful, not only for them, for their families, but you know what? I know that God, in that hurt and that pain, made a way for their families to continue on and to see some fruit in their lives long term. But sometimes in the midst of that pain and hurt, it's hard to see that. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Um, and we're going to focus, last week we focused on verse 3. This week we're going to focus on verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Would you just bow in prayer with me? Jesus, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you send comfort to us. You encourage us. You build us up. And Lord, I know that there are many here during the Christmas season. They're missing family members, loved ones. And Lord, legacies that have been left, but just memories, but still there's some hurt, pain, frustration, even questions. So, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just fill this room this morning, and as people watch this online, wherever they may be, you'll just fill that place and let them know that your comfort is there for them. We just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember growing up the very first time your heart got broken? Do you remember that? I mean, when you really were disappointed or somebody really hurt you, I think that uh, when I look back at that, I think sometimes a lot of hurt can come from our family, amen? And, and it can be devastating. But I also think about as a young guy who's 11 or 12 years old, when I was at my school, Miami Elementary, and we went to the skating rink, Akawai Alley. Anybody ever heard of Akawai Alley? Okay. So, and we're there with all the sixth graders, and we're skating, and it's just a great time. And there was one gal that I liked. Her name was Sonny. And I thought, well, if they have a couples only, I'm going to ask her to skate with me. And I was shy. So they did that, and I went up, and I roller skated up, and I said, would you like to skate with me? She said, no way, get out of here. <laughs> My heart was broken. I refused to talk to girls for the next three years. But uh, anyway, but those little things can be real things in your life, amen? And, and there are things that we all face that we can remember 
having a broken heart. I remember going out on a ski trip, and that's where I really first met my wife, Shaloy. And I jumped in the same van because I saw her get in this van. I thought, oh, man, that's a good-looking chick. I want to check her out. So I jumped in that van. And so I'm trying to talk with her, and she's just not giving me the time of day. And, and I'd been on ski trips, and I could ski. And, and so anyway, she was on the beginner's hill. And, you know, they're teaching them how to pigeon toe down the hill on the skis. And anyway, I'm coming around, and, and she fell. So I went skiing down there and slid side trip. Can I help you up? And she's like, don't touch me. I can do it on my own. I said, okay, bye. So I left. And so a little bit later, though, that afternoon, I'm, I'm by the, the big clubhouse they have there, and, and I'm standing there with Shaloy and three of her friends, and I'm just standing there, and I kid you not, it was the Holy Spirit. Knock me. I'm standing there just like this. Knock me flat on my face. And she comes up. She goes, do you need some help? I said, why, yes. <laughs> so I took her home, and history speaks of the rest. I mean, it was just, she was never the same. A glorious moment in her life. But there's all these good memories, but we also have times where our hearts get broken, and we get devastated. And that's where the Lord... He just wants to love on us. If we could understand how much Jesus loves us and how the Holy Spirit is there to comfort, He cares about every need. Turn to your neighbor and say, He cares about your needs. Tell Him that. He cares about your needs. Your hurt, your pain, your brokenness. You see, fixing a broken heart is not easy. Fixing a broken heart is not easy. And this verse tells us that God will comfort us. And I believe the greatest way that God comforts us is through the Holy Spirit because we know He's the comforter and He wants to be there with us. So let's look at point number one today, how to experience God's comfort. The very first thing is you have to realize that God is with you. Sometimes we get ourselves into a situation or we've isolated ourselves and we don't feel like anybody else knows or understands God does know, and he understands. The Father knows what it's like to watch a son die. Jesus knows what it's like to have friends reject you. Those that wanted a miracle later turn on you and want to crucify you. He gets that. He understands that. He understands pain and agony. Isolation. All that is there. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Well, Owen, that's just a scripture. No, that's a powerful scripture. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises that help us understand how much God loves us. So he's telling us here in Psalm that he's near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. How many here you've lost a parent? How many here you've not lost a parent? Let me see your hand. Good balance between. 
we tend to think our parents are always going to be here. I mean, I can pop in my mom and dad's house, I still can, and out of habit, I pop in, go into the refrigerator and open it up. <laughs> Just to see if there's anything there that I may want. Go in there and do that. My dad would come to my house and he would open up the fridge. I said, Dad, what are you doing? I'm doing what you do to me. <laughs> Seeing what you got here, son. But you think they're always going to be there. But time is passing so fast. Life is but a vapor. And one day they'll be gone. So enjoy those moments. Amen? Because you can't get them back. I, I look back when my children were um, three, four, and six, and I always tell my wife, I'd love to have one more week with them when they were three, four, and six. That was such a fun time. You notice I didn't say 15, 16, and 18. Three, four, and six. But it was such a fun time because there was so much joy in them and they had so much fun. And, you know, when they're little, they don't think you can do anything wrong. What if we took that perspective and applied it toward God for us? God, you can't do anything wrong. I just want to be around you. But he says to us, when you're crushed in spirit, I'll be there. I'll give you comfort. Even at the loss of somebody, even at the devastation of health, even when you may be walking through chemotherapy or, or loss of job or a divorce, a devastating thing. There are people sitting here this morning and you've walked through divorce and it was something you never wanted. Devastating blows came into your life. Some of you were totally caught off guard. We live in a world, man, that is so evil and full of hurt and pain. But thank you that we have the Lord. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit that comforts us and guides us. It's so important for us. And then Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So not only does Psalm 34, 18 tell us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those crushed in spirit. Psalm 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Can I tell you something? Isolating yourself, that's normal. That's part of, of mourning. But take refuge in the Lord. Take refuge in the Lord. Trust God in that situation. You may not have the answers. You may never get the answers on this earth. But trust God that someday you're going to understand. And if you know that that loved one knew Jesus, oh my goodness, someday you're going to be with them. They wouldn't want to come back here. Amen? And they can't wait for you to get there. Very important in our lives that we get that. Our problem is we tend to project on God the belief that he doesn't care. Can I say that again? Our problem is we tend to project on God the belief he doesn't care. He does care. That's why he says for us to go to him, to bring these things to him. I was thinking about yesterday and 
what we were doing for those that maybe couldn't afford Christmas and, and were struggling. And Proverbs 19.17 says, He hath pity on the poor. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto God. When you have pity on the poor, you are giving back. You are lending back to God. There's a blessing in that. There's a blessing in that. And if you've ever been poor and God has come through, you, will, you get that. You understand that. So important. We need to remember this. God is aware of your grief. God is aware. You're, to, you're here today hurting. Remember, God is here. He's aware. Job 23 or 1327 says, you put my feet in the stocks and washed all my paths. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. Job's saying, God, you're aware of what's going on. You see the pain that I'm in. God is aware. Sometimes we're like, God, get us out of this. Prevent this. Change this. But there are times we have to walk through stuff because that hurt and pain and questions that we have later on in life will allow us to minister to others. It doesn't become a stumbling block. It's a stepping stone to help others who's lost somebody, help others who've walked through divorce, help others who are facing health situations. Jesus faced so much, so he understands the apostles face so much. I, I think sometimes when we get this opinion of Christians that you'll never have a problem, God's always with you, and it's just going to be a cherry life, all sweet and all delightful. No. Man, they were persecuted. They were beaten. They were tortured. Peter was crucified upside down. James was pushed over a cliff. All these different things. One was beheaded. The other was done. John was put in a vat of boiling oil. They suffered immensely for the kingdom. Understand, I'm not painting a, a gruesome picture. I'm just wanting to understand, we are going to face trials. But how we respond is what people are looking at. I started in the ministry when I was like 25 or 26 years old. And just think about you starting your job or whatever it was, your marriage. It's not about how you start. People will remember. And Marcus, you can write this in your notes. People will remember how you finished. They're going to remember how you finished. Did you finish your job well? Did you finish your marriage well? Did you finish your ministry well? That's what they're going to remember. And at my age, I'm like, Lord, don't let me get tripped up. Don't let me falter. Help me to stay strong in you, Holy Spirit, so that you can guide me and help me to finish strong. How many times do we look at athletes and they, you know, they had last night the football players and, and they were going to name the guy that was going to be the guy for the year. And we can remember that, but it's really not that point. It's how you finish your football career. Because there's a lot of athletes, we don't remember their names. They never won a Super Bowl or an NBA championship or et cetera or a Major League Baseball. 
World Series. How did you finish? Did you keep your head up? Did you do the right thing? Guys, there's an old book out called Finishing Strong for Men. It's a great book to read. Finishing Strong. Get that book and read it because it just says a lot to us about how we finish life as a father, as a husband, as a believer in Christ. Finish strong. Stay strong. Go deeper in the Lord. Second thing is, not only is God aware, God cares. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. We just read in Psalms to take refuge. When you're hurting and you're in pain, don't be this tough guy or gal who's just not going to show any emotions on the outside. Man, go take refuge in God. It's okay to cry, amen? It's okay to cry out. It's okay to ask others to pray for you. It's okay to be vulnerable. But more than anything, it's okay to go to Jesus. To go to Jesus. I think at my age, what grabs me now more than anything else are my grandbabies. When they're hurting or they're in pain, oh my goodness. My heart, I remember... Uh, Jude, my grandson Jude, has a shunt, and something had messed up on the shunt, and they were zooming him down to Riley because you have to go down there, and he was not doing very good, and I remember getting in my prayer closet, and if you would have come in there, you would have thought I was dying. I was crying and screaming out to God and weeping like I never had before on behalf of him. I was like, God, we need a miracle. God, I need you to just direct those doctors. Lord, just touch that little brain. Touch that shunt. God, be there right now in the midst of that. And just crying out and, and, and just groaning in tears and weeping. And I don't ever do that, but I was. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my heart is so broken. And I just think that when we're hurting and we're in pain, when we, if you've got grandchildren, I think you can kind of get this. I believe that's how the Father God sees us. When we're hurting in pain, he's like, I just want to reach out. I want to help you. Ask me. Come to me. Take refuge in me. Amen. We have not because we ask not. Jesus, just give me wisdom now. God, help me in these circumstances. A friend of mine, his son... I was a counselor at youth camp, and his son was just a little devil. I'll put it that way. And he made life miserable for every counselor. Cocky, arrogant, but just a young kid. His dad was kind of famous, so he thought he could get away with it. And his parents bought him a Mustang, a red Mustang, fast Mustang. And he got with some buddies one night. He was like 18. And they got to drinking, and they weren't with him. And on his way home, he wrapped that Mustang around a tree. Now, he was around that tree for a half hour before 
the police, the fire trucks, the ambulance got there. And when they got there, he was alert, he was awake, but he was pinned. And they were trying to cut him out. And he was talking with them. But when they finally released the pressure off him, he died. And I'll never forget being at that funeral, listening to a good friend of this father speak, and he said, this young man knew the way of the Lord. He grew up knowing the way of the Lord. He made a commitment to the Lord. Yes, he was making a young, dumb mistake and decision. But he said, when I was little, we lived in this big house, and there were times at night that I got scared. And in the middle of the night, I would cry out, Mom, Dad, and I'd hear the voice of my dad or my mom from another room in the darkness say, Son, it's okay. I'm right here. He said, that young man pinned on that tree, all he had to do was say, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I'm in trouble. Jesus. And that was enough. That was enough. We don't know what people do when they're hurting and all alone, but we can trust God the Father to be there, to wrap his arms around us, and to let us know that he loves them more than we do. Come on now. He loves them more than we do. Some of you have some prodigal children or prodigal grandchildren. Do not stop praying. Do not stop loving. Don't beat them up with all kinds of condemnation. Just love on them. Well, they've done this to me. They've done that to me. Just call them up this week and say, can we have lunch? Or where are you at? Do you need anything? Can dad or mom send you some money? Or grandma or grandma? Can we just bless you? Is there something I can do for you? Just let them know you're there. And if you get the opportunity, remind them, Jesus is always with you. Amen? So God cares. He cares. And underneath God cares. He's aware, he cares, and God wants to help. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Man, we should all be saying, thank you, Lord. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God cares about you. He cares about your job. He cares about your health. He cares about your children, your grandchildren. He cares about your marriage. He's there. He's more for you than you are. Can I say that again? God is more for you than you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's a big God. 
He is a big God. Second point today is this. And I don't have time to get to this other, but Luke 10, 37 is another key to overcoming. Luke 10, 37. Release the hurt, second point. So the first point is realize that God is with you. Second point is release the hurt. And that's hard because sometimes we just want to hang on to hurt because we don't know how to deal with it. So we just kind of hang on to it. Release the hurt. When that person has wronged you, they have devastated your life, they have done something to you, release the hurt to God. Release the hurt to God. So important that you do that. Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 20, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And that's a powerful scripture. Not only is that a powerful scripture, that is a scripture I pray over my family. I pray over me. I put their names in there. I pray that over our staff that God would do that for them. He would make himself so real to them, above what they think, what they can imagine, that God would make a way in the midst of the chaos and the hurt and the pain because he cares. He cares. It's amazing. How? How do we know that he cares? Well, I put a statement in your outline. Stop focusing on what is lost and start focusing on what is left. Mm. Stop focusing on what is lost and start focusing on what is left. You may have lost that job or that career, but you're doing something else now. You may have lost that spouse to divorce, but you're remarried. Start fo- Don't carry that stuff with you. Some of you, if you've lost one parent, focus on the one that's left. If you've lost a loved one, focus on the ones that are left around you. Don't alienate yourself from them. They need you too. It's important that you let them know. This is the time of the year where you let people know how much you appreciate them. I was just telling people yesterday as we're going, man, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And Stacy just, she must have heard me telling these people. She comes behind my ear. Thank you for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. I said, oh, thanks. <laughs> but that was good because she's an encourager. People need to be encouraged. When is the last time you told your spouse that you were grateful for something they did? When's the last time you've told your children? Are those the ones... We all have prodigal kids at times, amen? Our prodigal friends that do things that bother us, but man, we forgive and we move on. We let them know it's just a blessing to have them. 
And for most of you, if they were in dire straits, you would do whatever it would take to help them out. I remember when my son was getting ready to buy his first house, and we had bought a house, sold it, built a house, sold it, built another house, sold it, and then built another house. And, and through that process, we reduced our debt every time. And it wasn't something that I was so smart. It was just God was directing us, and, and so we did that. And my son comes to me, and he goes, you know, he's about 25 or 26 at the time. He goes, hey, Dad, yeah, I want to do what you did. What? I want to do what you did. I want to I get a house, fix it up, sell it, do it again, do it again. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll help you. And we found he got a house and... His mother was a big part of that and then sold it, made some money, and we found a foreclosure. So I helped him get the foreclosure, and we fixed it up, and it doubled in value. And I said, now you can go finance your house and pay me the money I loaned you. (laughs) So he did that because I had a credit line. And now he's got a house that's doubled in value. And... But I wanted to help him, so I went to my girls. And I said, if you guys want me to help you do that, I can do, we can find one or whatever. And my girls are like, oh, no thanks, Dad. I'm like, okay. No rejection here. My accounts are okay. But you'll do whatever you have to do to help them, because you want to bless them, amen? That's what the Father in heaven wants to do with us. He really does want to help you. But how can he help you if you don't ask? Even in the midst of your hurt and your pain, how can he help you? Some of you have a void because you never knew a mom or you never knew a dad. Let the Father fill that void. Because he's the best friend you could ever have. He really is. So stop focusing on what you've lost and start focusing on what is left. Man, that's so good. Well, he doesn't treat me like he should. She doesn't tell me how much she loves me, and, you know, she just kind of... I'm just the list of things she needs done. Stop focusing on that negativity and focus on the goodness that's been left. Amen? That that person sitting next to you has so much to offer you. Get beyond what the enemy's doing to keep you bound up. That's a word for somebody. Isaiah 43, 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Somebody here this morning needs to move on from your childhood and what happened to you, and let God do a healing so that you can help others. Amen? Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is good. 
You young married couples, listen to me. You married them before their brain was fully developed. I used to say it was 25. Now they're saying it's 30. Oh, my gosh. So all those mistakes that they're making, give them some grace. Come on now. It's so easy in our society to walk away. You know what real love is? You're going to make it work. You can bite me, scratch me, pull my hair, but you're not going to push me out the door. Because I'm attached to you, baby. I'm like that puppy that won't leave. It's important that we get to know one another and stay connected. Stay connected. So important. Here's the problem, though, with the past. We tend to repress it and let it build up inside. Can I say that again? We tend to let the past become repressed inside of us, and it builds up. And then we rehearse it. We rehearse it. Constantly, over and over. I remember when they did this. I remember when this happened to me. God, how come you weren't there then? How come, God, you didn't do this then? How come, God, we're blaming things on God when we live in an evil world where the devil is very active and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy? Why are we blaming God when the enemy still has rule? Come on now. And there's evil people in the world. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. It doesn't say, blessed are the moaning and self-pity and poor me. Blessed are the mourning, not the moaning. We got a lot of moaning people in America. <laughs> Maybe you got a moaner in your house. Adam, they're the hee-haw people. Oh, honey, I'm home. Oh, it's been a bad day. Oh, you know. <laughs> Don't let the moaners get you down. And don't moon them, okay. I don't know why that came into my mind. It just stood at the end. And don't resent God for the situation. Scripture tells us that God will repay the evildoers. He will repay the evildoers. And some of us, we need to understand, there are consequences in our lives for decisions that we have made that have nothing to do with God. There are times as a parent, you know the right decision, but you yield to them because you want to be their friend instead of being their parent. Let me say that again. There are times as a parent you know the right decision, but you yield to your children because you want to be a friend instead of a parent. And that's what's wrong with our society today. And then there's consequences because you became a friend and gave in to something that you shouldn't have given in to. You're a parent. 
And as a parent, there will have to be discipline at times. Amen? Anyway. God's going to repay them. You got to let go and let God. Job had to do that. He had to let go. He lost all of his children. He lost everything he owned. Destroyed. They say it was about a a nine-month to a year period when all this took place, losing 10 children, losing everything that he had, and now he's just in depression, isolation, being attacked in his body now with disease. There comes a point where you have to have a conversation with God and realize you're not in charge. And you've got to put your faith in God, and down the road, God bless Job again. But it was a journey. It was a journey. Yeah, but I'm angry. I want to settle the score. No, let God settle the score, but don't sin in your anger. Amen? Look at the third point here. God uses the following to comfort us. God uses the following to comfort us. We've got the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to encourage us, to guide us, to convict us. We don't even want to talk about conviction. We want comfort, but we don't want conviction. Come on now. Lord, I want comfort in my marriage. Lord, I want comfort with these teenagers. Grow them up and get them out. Lord, I want comfort in my job. Remove these people, God. But maybe the Holy Spirit's like, I want to convict you because you have a terrible attitude at work. You have a terrible attitude in your marriage. You have a terrible attitude toward your own children or toward your parents. Come on now. And I want to work on you to change you. It's so easy for us as believers to point the finger at somebody or some situation when God's like, I'm really trying to deal with your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, I think it's me. I think it's me. And don't amen them. Do not amen them if you're a spouse waiting for that. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's there to help and to guide. He empowers you. You come to know Jesus. You receive the Holy Spirit. But there is an infilling that you need to ask for. To be baptized in the Spirit. To say, God... I just want all that power you have for me through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me to overflowing and fill me again. And practice the gifts of the Spirit. Ask the Lord to give you a prayer language. Use that prayer language. It's important. But trust the Holy Spirit. I go back to that statement again. We have not because we ask not. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me wisdom. Give me comfort. Give me encouragement. And if I'm wrong, Holy Spirit, convict me to make the situation right. 
Now, for all you younger people, you don't even know what this show is, but happy days. And there was a guy on there called the Fonz. And the Fonz could never admit the word wrong. They would say, are you going to apologize? I was, he couldn't say wrong. Some of us in our families, in our marriages, with our children, and our parents, or at, at, at work, we can't say we were wrong. Shalay struggles with that a lot. <laughs> so I have her write it out and hand it to me on a piece of paper. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't, because she's never wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> you got her back, brother. <laughs> we need to admit when we're wrong, amen? We're all playing a part in some of these things. Ask God to help you. I remember I heard Joel Osteen talking about his mom. And she received that at age 44, that diagnosis that her liver was full of cancer and she would be dead. They gave her like a month. She's 44 in the ministry with her husband. She's had polio as a kid, so her one leg is shorter than the other. And And she went home, and she started looking up every scripture on healing. And she just started writing them out. And then she just sat down in her prayer time, and she said, Scripture says that God can't hear your prayers if you have ought against your brother, but if they've got something or I've done something against them, I don't want that. So she started calling and writing everybody she knew and said, Please forgive me if I've done something. She was calling evangelists, people in the church, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And she went through this whole thing of asking everybody she possibly that could have hurt in the past because she wanted everything right between her and God and just believing and standing on Scripture. And after about six months, she had lost so much weight, was very yellow in color and everything, but she kept believing, and all of a sudden, that death sentence started moving away. And she's like 88 or 89 today, and she's still living cancer-free, totally healed, because she listened to the Holy Spirit who said, you need to go to this person, you need to go to this person, you need to go to this person. She started just checking through a checklist. I'm not telling you you should do that. All I'm saying is she got alone with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and she said, what is it that I need to do? And God directed her steps. He directed her steps. Psalm 119, verses 25 and 52 <coughs> This is under the second thing that God gives us. Not only our, the Holy Spirit, God gives us His Word. He gives us His Word. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your Word. When I think of your rules, 
From of old, I take comfort, O Lord. You learn, you pour into the Word of God, and you see what God's Word says. I've been made more than a conqueror. Where two or more have gathered. And we're going to get to that because that's, that's part of the, the next step is, is God's people. Asking them to help you in prayer. Believing together. Shouldering that burdens. Listen to me. If I'm in the hospital and they've given me a bad diagnosis, you don't have to come and visit me. I don't need that. I just need you to take five minutes and pray for me. Just lift me up in prayers. There's power in prayer. And when the body comes together praying, pray for one another. Lift up one another. So important that we do that, that we pray. So we've got the Holy Spirit. We have his word, and then we have his people. We need each other. Isolation kills. That's why we have life groups, so you can connect to one another. That's why we have Wednesday nights, so you can come into classes and get to know one another. I like visiting the women's class on Wednesday night. They don't like me to visit them. Because usually they have snacks and food. And so I came Wednesday night for their party, and they didn't have hardly anything to eat. And I looked at a couple of them and said, what is wrong with you ladies? And I went around the corner, and the youth were having a party. They had Kentucky Fried Chicken. They had all kinds of stuff. And I said, I'll see you ladies. I'm going to where the real party's at, where there's real food. So I went back there and visited with the youth and got food. And then Rachel goes, Owen, you've got to try my punch. It's an old family recipe. Man, I threw up for three nights. No, 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 no. No, it was really good. It was really good. I mean, that punch is good. But we need one another. We need to fellowship with one another. We need to pray for one another. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, as it closed with this. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. You see, God comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The whole process in your hurt, in your mourning, in your pain is to trust God to get you through it, to be able to see that God is with you. He's aware. He cares. God wants to help. We've got to release the hurt. And then to understand that God uses the following to comfort us, the Holy Spirit, His Word, and His people. And He takes us through this so that when we make it through, we can use that trial, that persecution, that devastation to help others. Stand with me this morning. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. Because our prize is to be with Him forever and to take as many there as we can. The last scripture is Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning. Oh, man. <laughs> 
whew. No more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's why we need the Lord and we need the Holy Spirit. We need His Scripture and we need His people. With your heads bowed this morning. If you don't know Jesus, you can receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Invite Him in and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. With heads bowed, is there anybody here this morning, nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you by having you come over. You say, oh, and I don't know Christ. I want to receive Him this morning. Would you lift your hand up? I just want to pray with you. Don't want to miss anybody this morning. Don't want to miss anybody. I'm going to trust that you know the Lord, but with your heads bowed, you're like, Owen, I've got a broken heart. I've got a heart that needs to be repaired. I'm in mourning. I don't need to know the details. I'm not going to ask you any details, but you've gone through some devastating stuff. And it's been really hard. Maybe nobody here even knows what's been going on or what's happening. With nobody looking around, would you just lift your hand and say, remember me in prayer? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hands. Man, a lot of hands. Anybody else remember me in prayer? Yeah. Just take them up and put them back down. Yeah. I'm telling you, folks, a lot of folks are hurting this morning. I don't usually do this, but we're going to do this today. I'm going to ask you to join hands with the person standing next to you. I'm going to ask you to cross the aisles. We're just going to form one big, we're going to pray for the person on our right and our left, whether they lifted their hand or they didn't. We're going to ask the Lord to help them. You don't know who you're standing next to or who you just joined hands with, but there could be some devastating things going on that they've never shared, and they're struggling. They're struggling. Lord, we thank you that you use your word, Holy Spirit, that you speak to our hearts. You know what's going on because you are aware, you care. But God, as a brother and sister in Christ, I pray for this person on my right and on my left. You see the torment, you see the destruction, you see what the enemy has tried to do to them. You see, Lord, the pain and the agony. And Lord, you see the hurt, the brokenness, the devastation. Lord, as they are joining hands with us, we just pray for supernatural strength and the Holy Spirit comfort as only you can. And let them know that we have their back. We're praying for them right now trusting you to give them a breakthrough to walk them through it so that God as you tell us in revelation here we can help others I just pray Lord that you do that now mend hearts and let them know you love them especially during this Christmas season we ask it in Jesus name